0: We don't really talk about price. We're really about communicating not just what's in the bottle, but everything that goes into that all the way down to to the soil of the place. Right. And so it's really that ability to to weave a narrative that can bring you to Mexico. If you're sitting in Minneapolis in the middle of January, you know, and you have one of our ambassadors there that's bringing bringing Mexico to life in the room. It's it's a it's a wonderful thing to see done when it's done well. Welcome to Top Shelf Integrity, where we give you an inside look at how we, the Beam Centauri on-premise team, maintain our best-in-class standards in the alcohol industry, and what makes us the best team in the business, bar none. It's about service at the end of the day, and we're going to show you how we do our thing so you can level up yours. What does Top Shelf Leadership do differently? What does it mean to show up for your customers and your teammates? How do you balance innovation and honoring legacy? It's all here. So grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's pour one out.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. This is Dan Cohen, Senior Director of PR at Beam Centauri. It's a pleasure, as always, to be here. I think this is about maybe my fifth podcast I've done, and um, this is... Totally going to be the best. I have a very special guest. I feel like I say that every time, but this one is really special. Do you
0: mean at this time? I
1: mean it. This is for real. Um, Adam Harris is with us. Hi, Adam.
0: Hi, Dan. How are you doing, bud?
1: Great. Great to see you as always. Indeed. It's not often we get to see each other in the same room. It's great that you're in town in Chicago and we get to uh, reminisce with a mic yeah. in front of us.
0: We've never, we've never uh, come together in a podcast studio before. So even, even now we can have a first.
1: It's a first. Yeah after all these years Um, of all these years so we'll get into our background and kind of where where you've come from and kind of what you do but as tradition uh goes on this podcast we start by just describing our drink and we are uh, making history today because on the many episodes of top shelf integrity there's been a lot of highballs cocktails some bartenders from accounts that have been struggling during pandemic have sent over cocktails this is the first time we've enjoyed this specific drink do you want to
0: Tell the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are both enjoying a neat pour of Laphroaig 10, inspired by uh, a recent viewing of a, of a wonderful video that Simon Brooking shared. Uh, and it just had a, the most romantic uh, display of Laphroaig that I've seen in a while. And so it made me um, want to uh, want to visit Isla. And uh, so we're doing that via a sip.
1: Amazing. Amazing. And Laphroaig 10, for those who don't know, is just the smoke bomb, the ultimate amazing a single malt and the other, uh, I, I feel like it's worth pointing out. You mentioned Simon Brooking, very yeah. fitting. Simon Brooking is the senior brand ambassador for LaFroig. and That's so right. very topical that a brand ambassador inspired you to drink this product because of the video he shared. Yes, uh, we'll dig into it, we'll prod into that a bit. Yeah, um, but why don't we kick off, Adam? Why don't you tell us about uh, just a bit about yourself, where you've been, and kind of what got you here?
0: Today? You got it, yeah, Dan. Um, uh, for those of you all that don't know uh, me, I my name is Adam Harris, and I am the Advocacy manager for Beam Suntory. Um, I've had a, a a robust fifteen, sixteen, almost year career here at Beam Suntory. Always in the advocacy position as an ambassador for our bourbon portfolio with Maker's Mark and the James B Beam Distilling Company, and a little bit of both for a while. And then the last uh, better part of the last decade, it was it was really being the senior ambassador for everything coming out of the wonderful Claremont, Kentucky. So it was a uh, it's been a great ride, but an amazing opportunity to. Uh, change, change it up a little bit and progress my career and be able to work with uh, a lot of people that I hold near and dear and consider family and best of friends and uh, certainly never, never too far away from the brands that I, that I love. So
1: awesome. And now you get to sit and, and do some podcasts. That's too. right. So yes. And, and now we're podcasting. Awesome. Well, <laughs> so um, also I uh, just kind of to share our background. So we go back many, many years. Many years. Um, I remember very vividly the first time we hung out. I'm wondering if you remember this.
0: Refresh my memory.
1: New Orleans. Yep. You are, I believe, on the Maker's Mark side of the brand. That would have business. been correct. Yeah. Um, memorable night, fun times. Um, and since then, uh, we've had many, many days and nights traveling and doing events. You've joined us at press events. We've hit many O bars. Um, and it's been been fun. So it's good to get
0: back with you. Made a uh, Jim Beam apple drinks for Mila Kunis. We've been with Fred on the on the mound at Wrigley when he threw out the first pitch. We've, Amazing we've had a pretty good ride. It's been a good yeah. ride. Yes. Yeah, so it's only <laughs> getting better from here. That's right. That's right. So it's not over.
1: So the topic today is about brand ambassadors. And what, what a brand and ambar- the value that a brand ambassador provides to bars and to brands. And I would say the term brand ambassador, if you're not in the industry, if you're not in like an enthusiast of, of whiskey or spirits, you might have no idea what that means. It sounds pretty political or diplomatic. Yes. What is your definition of a brand ambassador?
0: I have a few different definitions. Um, I have a longer one, but I'll give you a a pretty short little uh, sound bite here. I think for me, uh, brand ambassador is really a uh, a gateway into an experience that might be far away, um, if the distillery is far away. But uh, it also could be something that's very very tangible and close. But still, if it's a Kentucky and we're talking about somebody here in the United States, but uh, a brand ambassador is really that that gateway into the And line of sight to what we do at our distilleries, what our home place is about, what our brands are about, what the products themselves are about, and the categories about, and just a way to kind of bring those those aspects of of what we do to life um, every day in different ways.
1: That's great. That's a great soundbite. You nailed it. Um, Correct.
0: That was correct. (laughs) Excellent.
1: Um, Yes. So yeah, and I I think that to kind of build off that, I mean, I think the brand ambassador is this perfect um, expression of the kind of human base of a brand where you have a lot of marketing. We have a lot of advertising. We do a lot of PR. We, um, point of sale materials, but the brand ambassador is the kind of walking, talking yeah. real life representative who speaks to the the family, the DNA, the core of a brand, but does it in a way that actually is very human, very relevant to a bartender, a buyer,
0: yes. liquor like store owner, yes. any of that. And I think too, it's a, it's a, It's a holistic 360 experience, right? It's not just let me tell you about the price of this and why the price of this and all that sort of stuff, because we don't really talk about price. We're really about communicating not just what's in the bottle, but everything that goes into that, you know, to all the way down to to the soil of the place. Right. And so it's really that fantastic uh, ability to to weave a narrative that can bring you to Mexico if you're sitting in Minneapolis in the middle of uh, January, you know, and you have one of our ambassadors there that's bringing, bringing Mexico to life in the room. It's, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to see done when it's done well.
1: That's great. Um, so what value would you say the brand ambassador provides to the industry?
0: For me, I think, um, my opinion about advocacy and what a brand ambassador really does out there in the world is, um, you know, you have all of our distilleries around the world and they are in charge of making the best products that they possibly can across whatever category it might be. And then you have marketing, which is uh, out there to to craft a true story in order to help communicate what those products are from the home place. And then you have the salespeople and the salespeople are out there to take everything that marketing has provided with the foundation of a fantastic product and then sell it to any consumer or customer. Right. And, um, whether that's a bartender, buyer, wherever it might be, somebody picking up a bottle on the shelf or ordering a drink at a bar. And so for me, I believe like the role of advocacy and a brand ambassador is to really make the proposition of that purchase or partnership an attractive one. And however that does it kind of bringing to, again, sort of bringing things to life, bringing the brand to life. I think it's a, that's where we fit. And uh, I've been saying it a lot lately, it's the special sauce, Right. Because sometimes it's not necessarily right exactly what the brand says we must be done it's 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 insights uh, that 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 ambassadors have that can often sort of of course we have the brand's DNA in our best interest and it's something that a brand ambassador lives and breathes every day and walks and talks it, but also it has a greater understanding to kind of provide insightful. Different programs that might not necessarily be brand fed, but more like market aware, and to be able to make our products an attractive proposition to you know any sort of influencer or top notch bartender or the bartender's bartender that everybody looks towards, and then also the bartenders that, um, you know, in other areas of the, of, the, of the marketplace that we that we talk to as well, but and then any sort of consumer too. So making kind of providing that secret sauce a little bit,
1: yeah, yeah, that's great. And- Certainly brand ambassadors speak the language of the bartender. Yes. They are a finger on the pulse. They are not yeah. sitting in a corporate office. That's right. A PowerPoint yeah,
0: no, a brand ambassador withers like a uh, neglected plant in an office setting.
1: So, <laughs> so, so poetic. Yes. Um, what's, uh, what traits make up a very good brand ambassador?
0: I think, I think relatability. I think, um, well, passion, certainly. I mean, I, passion is a word that if you, don't, if you don't show up to your job, whatever your job is, with some sort of passion, you're, you're probably not enjoying your life, right? And, uh, and ambassadors are a, are a bit of a, a, a crew of bon vivants in a way, right? They do, they do enjoy being out there amongst uh, friends and strangers that soon become friends and just figuring out how to relate to anybody, to tell a story, to share information, to, to hear about Um, what, what makes the brand special to the person they're talking to? You know, I, I love and brand ambassadors, I think truly love those, those times when somebody comes up and engages you, you know, we engage all the time and we're always talking to folks and reading rooms and, and making sure that we're, we're speaking the right way to the right audience, but nothing is better than when somebody comes up to you and wants to tell you about their experience. Because as storytellers, which are good, a brand ambassador should be as a storyteller as well. Um, that helps us to that just makes our 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 narrative richer, you know, when we have more tools in the in the chest to be able to pull from to to help tell those stories and communicate things. And then when you can say, Oh, I was in uh, San Diego and this bartender told me about the first time that they tried El Tesoro or what they love about um, you know, Toki, or the first time they had a proper highball, you know, that's that's an amazing thing. So um being relatable, being hospitable, um being being passionate, of course, and, and just having a, having a pretty good, uh, a pretty good mentality to, to want to have a good time the right way.
1: It's great. And I will say, um, you know, one anecdote when we've in our years of travel and, you know, checking out uh, an on-premise account here and there. I've noticed that every single time I've gone with you, you've wanted to sit at the bar. Yes. Sit at the bar and you've never failed to really get to know the bartender. And whether we're just hanging out watching a game or we're getting a quick drink before an event. You've always kind of struck a relationship with the bartender, not necessarily like you're working, but just it seems like you're curious and you want yeah. to get to know the vibe. Can you talk a little bit about that and about just your view on kind of how important is relationship building? In yes. This industry?
0: Yes. I think uh, a relationship, it's, it's all relationships. You know, I've, I've we've had rich careers in this business, you know, and I was on the bar side before that. Uh, that's certainly not me going, Oh, I used to bartend because I was way too long ago. So <laughs> I don't even go there anymore. But, um, yeah, it's all at, at its core. We've, we've added layers and, and this business has gotten so big and this industry has gotten so big and layered, um, and all of its facets and all of its ways and branches. But, um, at its core, it's still a relationships business and to be, to be genuinely interested in what somebody feels in a moment is the best way to connect. You know, and I think that, um, being, having no agenda, walking into a place, seeing what a bartender, how a bartender is doing that day, just ask, Hey, how are you doing? You know, cause what does a bartender say when they walk up? Hey, how you doing? You know, and you're like, good. And a lot of people will expect that relationship to then fall into the the traditional confines of request and, uh, service. Right. But you take the moment to say, I'm doing well, how are you today? You know, and, and really mean it and not just kind of say it in like casual conversation, but really mean it. And you'll, you, sometimes you'll get somebody that kind of stops and they're like, thanks for asking. I'm doing all right. You know? And that's a great to to just mean what you say and to take a genuine interest in people. And I think a ambassador is interested in all people and uh, and inclusive of all people. And just to make sure that, you know, we, because so many of us have a hospitality background So many of us host with that hospitality in mind and at the, at the forefront of what we do, I think that it's just a, it's a very um, genuine and authentic way to interact with folks is to just, you know, it's, it's not, unless they're busy and nobody wants to talk to somebody when they're busy, they just want to make drinks and, 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 and get through the day and and with a smile on their face and be happy when they look on, but, or when they when they wrap up. But I think that when you have the time to get to get to talk to somebody and whether they know you're or not or know what you do or not, it's, it's let, let them know you care about them as much as they care about you in that moment.
1: Yeah. And I think so, one of the peripheral outcomes of that is not just the authentic conversation, the real personal interaction, yeah. but also it probably reflects nicely on the brands that you represent.
0: I think so. And it helps to build that relationship going back to your original question, right? Um, I think that just, just knowing a person is a relationship, right? It's not just, uh, you work here, it's you work here and I know you, and I know what you like. And I know that if this is an event that I'm doing, that it would be something up your alley, right? So I, you don't invite everybody to everything just in the, because it's not for everybody all the time, but if there's something that you have access to or something that you're doing that, you know, would be perfect for this one person or these two people at this place. And, you know, if you want to have 10, 20 people at something and you want to, make sure that it's really resonating with the right folks. You're not going to know that unless you have a relationship with somebody, right? unless you really know what kind of gets people going or what they're interested in, in this business, you know, whether they've, if they're, if they're a, a whiskey uh, savant now in the last 10, 15 years, they've taught themselves everything they know about whiskey, but now they're starting to get into gin. You know, we want to make sure that those folks are on the Sipsmith radar, right. Or, um, it just makes sense that way. And you wouldn't know those sort of things unless you didn't have relationships. So we we're all about relationships, I sure. would say.
1: That's great. Okay. So, uh, to flip this a bit, what are some of the pitfalls? What are some of the kind of wrong ways to be a brand ambassador? I, I feel like there's mm. a lot of risk. You don't want to overly sell. You don't want to under right. represent your brand. What, right. what are some of the risks with being a not great brand ambassador?
0: Well, that's a great question. I think there are certainly the, uh, the obvious pitfalls, right? Uh, we always want to be responsible, um, when we're out there in the world. Uh, that's, that's definitely paramount to everything we do and something that we preach all the time, uh, through all the layers of our company and all the different teams and cross functions. But, um, one of the things that I see, this happens with young ambassadors quite a bit. And, you know, I, I may have been slightly guilty of this in my past too, back in my early days. And it, and it's, and it comes with that youth and it comes with that excitement and it comes with the 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 want to do your job well. But I I find a lot of times that uh somebody that's just into into their role, um, especially their first role, when they have the chance to speak, they want to tell you everything they know. And uh and it whether whether they've got their 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 cadence figured out, their voice figured out or not, it's they're gonna tell you everything they know about this thing. And that's because they're so excited and that's fantastic. But maturity starts to chisel away at that. And it begins to to kind of uh, polish your your bit, right? Yeah. And as you polish yourself, you you start to recognize what information's germane, when to use the right information, when to communicate that information, and you just become a more a more experienced and seasoned and, and polished ambassador, I would say. But that that is a big pitfall uh, for a lot of folks. Some people don't get out of that. Um, I see that being being a bit hairy. But as as you mature, I think that there's a lot of way that that goes away. I think also too. When, um, and, and again, something that, you know, it's, it's easy to become guilty of it, but when you are just all my brand, my brand, my brand, my brand, brand, you can't walk into a bar and say, can you make this cocktail, but with my brand, you know, I mean, yes, you can, but that's not, that's, that can rub people the wrong way from time to time. Now we have the, the language of dealer's choice and things like that. So you could say, can I have dealer's choice with my brand? And then that, that makes it a little bit okay. But you know, these, these bartenders, these uh, cocktail wizards have uh, spent their, spent their life crafting these drinks for you. And so for you to walk in and sort of um, say, this looks great, but with my brand, please. I think that sometimes you, you, you might not get the friendliest um, internal monologue or internal commentary coming from the other side of the bar in that moment, you know?
1: Yes. I'm raising my hand. I'm guilty of that a couple of times too. I'm I think everybody's
0: lot, I probably done it at least once in their time. And and, sure. you, and, and if you didn't feel icky about it, you pro- you probably are still doing that. But, uh, sure. but I know you better than that.
1: One other um, thing that I find fascinating about the industry in general and about brand ambassadors is you could take a brand that's huge, popular, sells a lot. Um, but the, the decision by a bartender to recommend that brand or to pour that brand. Sometimes it might not be about the quality. It might not be about the marketing. Sometimes it comes down to whether they've had good interactions with either a sales rep, distributor, uh, a brand ambassador. In some cases, there's journalists that might write either positive or negative about a brand, not necessarily just truly objective perspective, but based on if they like the PR team or dislike. And, there is something to be said for you know brand ambassadors representing brands that often, in in our case, have hundreds of years of of, of history. Yes. And the difference between a brand being recommended by an influential bartender could be improper engagement or a, an ambassador being offensive or um, salesy or whatever. But I find that fascinating. It comes down to an individual conversation at times.
0: Yeah. I, I, I lucky for us, I don't think that we've ever been the cause of of being kicked out of an establishment. You know, when when someone decides to not carry our products for a little bit of time. I think that a lot of times we're, we're used for, uh, we can, we can come and help uh, foster a better relationship after something like that happens, you know, because, um, because we, we, we're comfortable in that space, you know? Um, and I think so too. Uh, one of the, one of the best compliments you can get as an ambassador to is is when a bartender or uh, a person on the floor at a store um, they they know you, and when they see that bottle, your face is on the label in their mind, right? They see that they see you there, or they think of you there, and and you want that to be a positive thing, right? And so that's that's one of those things where you can you can hopefully help tip the scale in this very competitive world to where if you, if they've had a great experience of the brand through you, and you've uh, you've had that strong relationship again, then that helps them make their choice, you know? Because sometimes it is splitting hairs like that, but I think it's more it's it's kind of for me, I'm, I'm kind of curious about how that works in the world of uh, journalism. You know, when you're out there and you're, you're taking people all around the world to see all of our places and, and hopefully that leaves a good mark, right? That hopefully helps them inspire their next story or anything like that. Right.
1: Absolutely. I think anytime we are on the PR side, engaging with a journalist or someone with influence, we're of course trying to represent our brand and the distillery and the family behind the brand as Um, Effectively as we can, and when we're taking someone, flying them to um, London to learn about Sipsmith Gin or Kentucky to learn about Maker's Mark or Jim Beam, um, we always want to make sure the experience is great and representative of the 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 brand. And certainly, there's the little things, the intangibles. If somebody is invited to leave their family, leave their work, go go travel for three days, ultimately to learn about and maybe write about our product, you'd hate to give them a experience that they're like, "Eh, I'm not too into this. His brand anymore because this individual said something off, you know, or, so yeah, I think the thin line between, um, you know, brand success often kind of, uh, comes down to the human interaction and the human Definitely.
0: relationships.
1: So you've been doing this for a long time. And I think when you started, so you were a bartender yes. and you kind of dove into brand side Yep. since you started on the kind of brand ambassador side of the world. Um, a lot has changed. We've seen the craft cocktail movement, the bourbon boom. We've seen tech and social media kind of explode through the years. Yeah. Of course, we've seen the pandemic, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, how would you say kind of the brand ambassador role and the kind of needs of that role have evolved throughout the years?
0: Um, that's a great question. And a so we could, we could probably have a, a small mini series of podcasts discussing that one thing, I think, but advocacy uh, through the years with Adam and Dan. When I think about how things have changed for brand ambassadors' lives and the advocacy of, of whatever company it is, and certainly here at Beam Suntory, you know, where we try to, we've always been about education. That's our strongest central pillar is leading with education, through storytelling, all that kind of thing. But what we've seen happen, I would say, in the last five, 10 years in certain parts of the country and the world is that our our audiences have become smarter, whether that's bartenders that know more about spirits than than any brand ambassador out there or you know, coming from the bourbon world as I did for so long, you know, seeing how the the bourbon geeks have really just, they, they know everything about every distillery and every bottle that's out there. And, I uh, you know, you become a little bit niche, uh, as an ambassador, sometimes you get really deep into, into one place, into, into one portfolio of products. Right. And there's a whole other world out there too, that some of these folks are, are, and this is, you know, not agnostic of category, it goes across any category, right? Whether it's Japanese whiskey or scotch whiskey, for sure, um, gin, tequila, et cetera. But um, when you have these folks that are just so knowledgeable, it's about how do you stay relevant? How do you continue to deliver um, information that they don't have, you know, and I think transparency and having uh, really great relationships internally with both our brand partners And then, and marketing partners, and then also uh, with the distillery themselves, and being able to to have some of that, just keep it, keep drilling down, 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 and just sort of having those little nuggets in your back pocket that, when you know the person you're talking to doesn't need to know the ABCs of bourbon, or 101, you know, you can take it to that graduate level pretty quick, and hopefully impress them with a little bit of something that you know. But that education is always important. So kind of, kind of, really. Immersing yourself is something that becomes very important because you have to stay on top of things. As people know, as much as you do, sometimes you need to continue to know a little bit more.
1: Absolutely, I will give an anecdote there. F- about a couple months ago, maybe a month ago, I was at a um, at a Chicago event with trade members of the industry um, to launch Yamazaki Fifty Five, and of course, I'm just sharing the story to brag that I was at this event with
0: Yamazaki Fifty Five.
1: <laughs> but our friend Gardner Dunn when
0: noticed. Yes, yeah.
1: let it be noted. Um, our friend Gardner Dunn, the senior uh, Japanese whiskey ambassador for House of Centauri was leading a tasting of Yamazaki and somebody in the audience was asking some very specific questions about germination and distillation levels and stuff that I had no idea what they were talking about. And I'm thinking, is this a craft distiller? Like who is this? It turns out he was a buyer at one of the local um, liquor stores and he knew so much and it was fun watching the ping pong match of Gardner talking with him. And it, it, went to another level, but it just, it's, it speaks to how much knowledge there is out there, how much info there is available. And also just how people are really understanding of the process and the story and all that.
0: Yeah, No, I I think that there's, there's definitely a, a few folks out there that like to play stump the ambassador or stump the rep sure and uh you got to stay on top of it man and that comes with uh, really transparent and and strong relationships with with the uh, the things that you the, the folks in the place that you represent through the marketing teams and the, and the home place and production facilities
1: absolutely and the another just to answer to build on and answer to my own question which yeah. i don't know if that's even allowed absolutely. Um, in podcast uh protocols but um so and this is kind of more in my neck of the woods but what i think has also happened throughout the years of course this is a bit intuitive but Um, We're always on. So whenever you walk into a bar, whether you have a mic in your hand or not, if anyone's listening, you are on. You're on the record. You might be videotaped. Everything you say not only should be accurate to the point that you made about the level of education, but certainly, you know, we're in a highly sensitive time of not saying anything wrong or loaded, not accidentally with, even with positive intent, saying something that people could misconstrue as negative. And you hear in the industry, you've heard stories throughout the many years of, some brand ambassador, some sales rep, some spokesperson gets up and makes some joke that they think is funny in the moment. And it does Mm -hmm. not land well. And it caught, and then that's when it comes to my team on the PR side, Um, which of course is one of the pitfalls, but I feel like more now than ever, there's that sensitivity around like making sure that we are acting responsibly, but also being overly sensitive to not saying anything that even isn't intended to be, To, to make a negative impact.
0: The language has changed and, I th- and, and for better. You know, I think that one of the things that our advocacy team is as a whole is I'd say we're pretty, we're pretty sensitive to the world. You know, we're empaths. Um, a great majority of us are. We come from a background that makes us very empathetic to a lot of folks and we want to help. And we, we, we don't say no at all. Very often, you know, uh, very often, if at all um and so we're we're we want to help people we want to make sure that people are having a good time you know and if they're not how can we help them have a better time and so that 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 is that is kind of the 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 soul of who we are and the spirit of who we are and so for us to we we wouldn't want to use the say the wrong thing we're learning and we have to be able to reflect the the learnings of a, of an appropriate culture and society. Right.
1: So even, you know, more so now, even than ever in the last couple of years, I mean, the kind of social implications of, of the world that we're in have kind of come to light yes. within, within the bar and restaurant world. I and mean, yes. certainly not, not, nothing new, but, yeah. um, it feels like, um, it's more of a heightened sen- sense of sensitivity yes. in how we navigate, how we make sure we're kind of trying to be true and, um, cognizant of, of the issues that are out there. And yes. I feel like that's really kind of blended into pretty much everything in the world, but specifically bars and restaurants. Have well, you this?
0: well, because it's, it's, it's a, it's where society comes together, you know, the public house, it's where, it's where people from all walks come. And uh, when you, when you look at all those walks, you have to be inclusive of them and you have to make everybody feel good. And or you have to make everybody feel welcome. One of the, one of the more impactful things I heard a long time ago towards inclusivity is, you know, thinking about what it takes person A, B, C, D, E, what it takes for them to walk into whatever place. You don't know what they have to go through in their mind to step across the threshold. Right. And not that we have to reward people for that, but we should certainly make them feel like they made the right choice, right. To walk into that place. And that comes with inclusivity. And I think that as we talk about walks of life, um, it's important for that for all folks. And then inclusivity too, from a from an indus, from an industry standpoint and an ambassador standpoint is also being inclusive of all different types of uh, bars and restaurants and liquor stores and accounts and all your different consumer bases so talking about the folks out there in the world that just pick up a bottle or order a drink you know and making sure that we're talking to everybody uh, we don't want to talk to just five percent of the bartenders out there we would like to hopefully have something that all the bartenders out there might want to know and might want to hear from us or might want to taste from us or might want to consider using and something that they're whipping up I mean, and if they're you know, just now getting into their journey on whiskey, no matter what part of the world it comes from, or if they're just learning how to make an old fashioned for the first time, we want to be able to be part of that journey. And we want to be able to, to let them feel like they have a friend at Beam Suntory. Right. And so inclusivity means so many different things. And I think so too, as we look at how we treat the people around us, um, we can continue to expand that into what parts of the, of the industry we go to, to bring more people around us and help them feel welcome and make them feel welcome. Right. That's great.
1: That's well said. Um, Another thing that's gone on in the last couple of years, and this is just for those who are listening to this podcast 20 years from now, and (laughs) in case they haven't caught up on their history, um, there's been a a pandemic that we've been living in Um, that obviously has altered the trajectory of how bars and and restaurants operate. Probably I imagine alters the role of the brand ambassador. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how has, how has the pandemic caused any shifts in how brand ambassadors operate how was it? Kind of adjusted.
0: Well, twenty twenty was going to be a hell of a year, wasn't it? <laughs> it was really yes. going to be a hell of a year. And It was for a couple months, and it was, and it was yeah, seems. absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, uh, all kidding aside, you know, this it's it's been a hard time for a lot of folks, and um, you know, we're we're very lucky here at Beam Suntory uh, to be in the position that we're in to have stayed in our roles and being able to to take care of. Our our friends and our contacts, and make sure that they they were getting what we could provide, right, and uh, and of certainly being compliant in that. But um, I do think that uh, you know, for for social people, you know, even if uh, even if you have a, a brand ambassador is a social person, right? Even if you have a little bit of that introvert in you that that every once in a while wants to stay inside, you know, that that's fine. You got to take care of yourself, but in our nature, we want to be out there, hugs, high fives. Whatever it is, having a chat, you know, shooting, shooting the bleep, uh, all that kind of stuff, downloading after work, whatever it might be. Um, And so it was very hard. It was very, very hard. I remember in May, someone asked how How are things? What do you What do you miss?" And I was like, "I miss nightlife." You know, May of twenty twenty, I was saying, "I miss nightlife," and I just, I, I just had the hardest time not being able to like walk, have that five minute walk between bars to where you're just yakking it up with your buddy, you know, and It was just hard. And so the transition to the virtual world, thank God for the virtual world, right?
1: Well, I gotta say, one of the things that got me through that first year, especially when I was sitting on Zooms miserable, was the perspective of, man, my brand ambassador friends are probably just struggling being grounded right now. (laughs) And if I think I have it bad, just the idea of the cabin. It's, it's like a, a musician without their guitar or a yeah. painter without the canvas to yeah. have to be grounded when you're so used to engaging with people and traveling and, and visiting cool places. So that, that, so thank you for helping me by providing
0: perspective. <laughs> thank you. Well, we're I'm sorry we had to give you that perspective in the way that we had to, but yeah, I mean, to, to not be able to, to do what you do the way you know how to do it. And we're certainly not unique in that, but I would say that in this industry, of beverage alcohol that the brand ambassador definitely had their world change almost the most outside of people that are working in bars and stores. So I think that it was a hard pivot to the virtual space. I'm glad that we were able to do it. It did keep us busy for a long time. I know that uh, there, there came the time where it started to get a little fatiguing maybe a year afterwards and Luckily enough for us, the the vaccine rolled around around that time. And then we were able to kind of start getting out in the world a little bit more as of May of last year, I suppose. So it, it was it was a uh, fortune to be able to get out there and, and have this hybridized version. And now a little bit more of that in-person stuff going on now, too. But it, it certainly was a very um, hard time for for most ambassadors, I know. And uh, but some thrived, some thrived in the virtual world and some were doing it because they had to. And some were uh, just waiting to get back out into the world. And, and we're lucky that we were able to a little bit more now.
1: Yeah, that's actually, that's a good point. I mean, I think there, there have been more virtual tastings. Yep. Um, brand ambassadors have been able to hold tastings with kind of bartenders from around the world at the same time, which yep. has never been done before really. Yep. Um, and I know even Fred No and, and uh, the Samuels family and some of the kind of family members behind our iconic brands have been able to actually get on Zooms. So um, that is a silver lining.
0: It's, you know, one of the pre pre 2020, um, with the demand for advocacy and brand ambassador representation in different markets around the country and the world, I think, uh, you know, you would often ask yourself, I can't, or tell yourself, I can't be in two places at once. Right. And so you had to say no to a couple of things, but I do think that, uh, with the right time and the right audience and the right occasion, um, you know, being able to rely on a zoom or a microsoft team meeting or whatever platform you're using to to talk to a group of folks of uh, these whiskey clubs that don't just have regional membership but have national global membership and things and you can get all those folks together you know to be able to talk to all these international groups and folks are dispersed around the country and be able to do your thing is is that that's quite nice you know that that still is uh getting out there and spreading the good word of whatever whatever you're spreading
1: Absolutely. So, um, a couple final questions for you. Um, the first one is for those who are listening, who might be thinking now's a good time to kind of, you know, I'm reevaluating my career. I'm trying to kind of change things up. And this brand ambassador gig sounds kind of, kind of awesome. Um, what advice would you give to anyone who's actually trying to get into this world and trying to kind of start as a brand ambassador?
0: Yeah. What a great question. I wrote it myself. Great one. Give a damn just give a damn, whether that's, uh, about the person that you're talking to in the moment about, and certainly about the product that you're representing. Um, give a damn about the relationships that you have with your colleagues. Give a damn about the relationships you have with the folks that you're talking to out there in the world. Um, give a damn about the people that are running the stills, you know, care about the people that are blending in the labs, give, or the QC labs, whatever that might be. Give a, give a damn about the folks that drive the trucks, you know, and, and care about all that stuff because that's, that's what you are. That's, that, that is what you, that's the, that's the, the responsibility that you accept when you become a brand ambassador is to represent those people and you can't represent them if you don't give a damn. Right.
1: That's uh, that's great. That's a perfect answer. And I would say the good thing about that is even those who are listening, who are like actually talked out of becoming brand ambassadors here, that's great advice for, for anything, any field. Um, that's spot on. So thank you. Well, I got, I got to say we're almost out of time. Okay. Um, I appreciate you uh, doing this. It's great to see you uh, as
0: always. Yes. Um, this has been thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me I'm honored to be, to be one of your guests, man. It's
1: it's a special, special moment, special uh, episode. Um, but what I will say the end of these episodes Mm -hmm. has, as we know, the tradition is we, we end with a toast and I'd love to put you on the spot. You've probably made many Otos in your days um, of all (laughs) ranges with all types of audiences. Um, I have a little bit of Laphroaig left. And by the way, the next person to be in the studio is going to wonder why the microphone smells like smoke.
0: Right. Um, Yes.
1: They might. Guilty. Um, I'm going to pass to you to end this properly.
0: Since I'm a first and foremost, a whiskey man, we'll talk in in the parlance of whiskey. In heaven, I hear they don't distill their beer. And that's why we should try to drink it all here. Cheers. Cheers. Top Shelf Integrity is brought to you by Beam Centauri, Inc., Chicago, Illinois. Remember to always drink responsibly.